0: If you were hoping to be able to connect with Parkinson's recovery and all of the kind of information that you can get about what it takes to get sustained relief from the symptoms of Parkinson's that you may currently be experiencing or a family member, friend, or an acquaintance, you have arrived at the right place. This is the Parkinson's Recovery Network. We run our show live every Wednesday afternoon at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Connect any Wednesday, and you'll be able to actually talk with our guests live. You can call toll free at any time during the show. That number is 877. 877- 5900733, and connect with my guest Jody Winwalker, who is the founder and director of Earth Tones. As a clinical social worker and a board certified music therapist with 25 years of experience providing music therapy programs in the Northwest, Jody provides counseling and workshops specializing in the use of guided imagery and music to promote health and enhance personal growth. I didn't just find Jody through a search on the internet. I want everyone to know that I kept getting emails and phone calls from individuals who happen to live in Oregon or around the Portland metro area telling me you really ought to have Jody on the show. She's absolutely awesome. And as you'll soon discover, she's got extensive experience in working with individuals who currently experience the symptoms of Parkinson's. Jody Winwalker, thank you so much for being on The show today.
1: Thank you for having me, Robert. What an incredible introduction! Tell us about yourself. Well, let me see. Um, I actually come from a line of musicians and service providers. When I was in my clinical social work um, education, we had to go back and, and look and see where does your interest in providing services to individuals come from in your family line. And so that does go way, way back. And then another personal contact I have is that my brother, Davey, has Down syndrome, profound level Down syndrome, and I basically grew up with him and grew up with the idea that there are people that are have different abilities and different ways of being in the world. And so it was very natural and normal in my world. And I knew from an early age that there was a place for everyone. And then as I matured and I found that I had a passion for love and a passion in working with people, I realized that music is one of those worlds that is a place that everyone, no matter what their ability is, can engage in socially and emotionally and cognitively and motor coordination-wise. And so that is how I was guided towards actually moving into music therapy. When I was in high school, my choir director said, ah, you need to go into music therapy based on your interests and skills. And I didn't know what it was at the time and have since learned that the profession was actually, had only been formally around for about 20 or 30 years when I first entered it. I went in and got my bachelor's degree down at West Texas State University in Texas and then proceeded from there in my music therapy practice. About 10 years later down the road, I decided that I wanted to get a more advanced degree and got my degree in clinical social work at Portland State University and proceeded from there to develop Earth Tones Music Therapy Services. Tell everyone about Earth
0: Tones. You are its founder. What is that?
1: Well, the way Earth came about is that I originally was an employed music therapist in some wonderful facilities in Oregon and realized that I'm not the best employee because I tend to think out of the box a lot, and I don't really work between an 8 to 5 job. So I realized my only option really was to go into private practice. And that gave me a lot of um, leeway to go out and and seek out and work with individuals that I was most interested in working with at the time, and that was working with seniors. And then in the process of working with them, I started getting more and more referrals, and I realized that I needed to formally start a company and, and hire other therapists to work with me to provide services in the greater Portland area. My partner at the time, um, the way we came up with the name Earth Tones is that he was out in the desert and was quietly sitting on a rock, and it came to him about uh, music, earth, uh, music of the spheres, um, the vibrations of the earth, the power of music, and that's how the name Earth Tones came about.
0: What is Earth Tones'
1: mission? So Earth Tones is, uh, we are a for-profit agency, and we have uh, a desire to provide services throughout the greater Portland area. They're of the highest quality. We have the mission to be in collaboration with other organizations. An example that we'll talk about more uh, later on is with the Parkinson's Resource Organization, with the Alzheimer's Association, with Merrill Hurst University, with Providence Elder Place. We want to be able to work with other agencies so we can, can also provide the greatest service. And then we also want to help promote and educate the public about what music therapy is, and so, in our reaching out to individuals to let them know what music therapy, how it's defined, what it has to offer, how people can access uh, music therapy for their for themselves or for their family members, and to let people know the the nature of the service that music therapy the music therapists provide in terms of what their education level is, what the certification process is. Uh, the, the types of populations, the broad range of populations that we serve, and then some of the um, various modalities that we serve within a music umbrella of music therapy.
0: In terms of programs and services, what exactly does Earth Tones then provide?
1: Yeah. We actually have expanded the, the types of programs that we provide. We have about four to five primary groups of individuals that we reach out to. One group is adults with developmental disabilities. So those are individuals that are in their private home or they may live in a foster care home. Uh, It may be that we're serving them within a a day program that they they attend. Another group that we reach out to are the broad range of, of, uh, of seniors. So that may be well elders. It may be People are in need of assisted living care. It may be people in need of memory care, and that also might be in their private home. It might be in a foster care home or a residential community and then we also serve people with parkinson's disease or other neurological disorders like it, like traumatic brain injury is another group that we've been reaching out to serve as well.
0: All listeners really know what music is and all listeners really know what therapy is of one type or another but what is music therapy?
1: So music therapy, it's music therapy is the actual clinical evidence-based use of music interventions to address non-musical goals. So it's using music, it might be singing, songwriting, drum circles, music improvisation, or shaking a single instrument or reaching across midline to strike a drum. And the goals are perhaps to increase motor coordination or to improve speech or to provide cognitive sensory stimulation or to improve gait, uh, or to enhance someone's mood, it may um, maybe decrease depression or anxiety. It also may be used for pain management, say in a, a medical setting. So it's using music to address non-musical goals based on evidence, um, evidence-based interventions.
0: I know quite a few musicians who play the flute, the guitar, the piano. If a person is a musician, does that make them a music therapist? That is what credentials are really necessary.
1: Music therapists are those that have actually attended a credentialed uh, music therapy training program. And there's over 70 or so in the United States. And if people wanted more additional information on this particular um, way of practice, they could go to the American Music Therapy Association website, which is www.musictherapy.org, and it will clearly define what the steps are. But basically, music therapists uh, can practice with a BA level, a, a master's level, or a PhD level. And a bachelor's level of education involves a minimum of four years of education at a credentialed university, followed by a six- to seven-month internship where they work in a professional environment 40 40 hours a week and actually practice and uh, deepen their abilities in the clinical practice of music therapy.
0: Your specific uh, tie, then, of music therapy is in the sense of a health care uh, provider. What's the history of that? Are you one of the first people or organizations to do that?
1: Say that question again, Robert. The,
0: I'm just wondering about the history of using music therapy as a health care profession.
1: Oh, how started. Okay, great. So I, w- I want to go back to your question about the the musician versus the music therapist because that is actually a very very important important question in terms of helping people differentiate what's available for them, because there is an incredible continuum of people of of talented individuals that have so much to offer with their musical skills, and it ranges every everywhere from the musician, like you said, who plays a beautiful guitar or flute who can play for someone with the intention, you know, their intention behind their music is to, to provide a healing environment, is to provide music that's soothing and comforting and or to be in companionship with them. There's that. There's music. Um, there's people who receive a type of training, and, I'm, and I should step back and say I'm not an expert in these various things. I just want to share that I'm aware they exist. There are people who do bedside uh, music for people where they go into hospitals and play for them specifically, or maybe go in and play music for people in a hospice type of situation. And then there's music thanatologists, and those are individuals who have received a certificate specifically in the practice of of of, um, of using harp music with for individuals as they are transitioning and passing in, in the dying process. And then you have your music therapists, and then you have your students to go in and and play music in like a nursing home, or you have your musicians, like a quartet of ukulele players, who go in and and really um, enliven the environment of individuals in their residential homes as well. So they're all very very valuable, and um, and in the music therapists, they are just a specific ra- um, individuals who have been trained to utilize these techniques and have been trained specifically about the populations that they're working with so they can really, truly uh, provide a comprehensive assessment of need, develop a treatment plan, have goals and objectives, specific interventions that they're doing, and then a means of evaluating the effectiveness of those interventions. So that takes me to where did music therapy come from? And so music therapy, music for healing, is Ancient, You know, it goes back to the very beginning of, of humankind. And it, when you read, you know, specialists talk about the history of music or the history of healing, those two have like always been together in various cultures. And they you know you'll see history of the use of the flute and the drum and the shaker for healing rituals, or there's references in the Bible about the use of music and healing. You have uh, music for health and wellness you know throughout our communities. Music therapy as a profession developed in after World War two when the veterans came back and were in the hospitals. And they noticed that when the musicians came in to the hospital environment and played for the veterans that there was a an overall general decrease in anxiety and decrease in depression and uh, a higher motivation to engage in the other therapies like the occupational therapy that was offered or the physical therapy or speech therapy that was offered. And so as a result of the, that initial positive response, uh, the Individuals realize we need to do more research and and develop uh, a training program for individuals so that they can really know what they're doing and why it's effective, and that's how music ther- the field of music therapy evolved was from the result of observation, kind of qualitative type of research of seeing, oh, look at this. When this person comes in, this person starts to smile, which means the general mood of the the room is improved and they're willing and able to have this medical procedure occur with minimal distress.
0: How does a listener learn more about music therapy?
1: There's a lot of ways. We have... um, several great websites that you can go to and i was going to have them right here for you but i can give you they're they're listed on our website which is www.earthtonesmusictherapy.com and on that website you're going to see a link to our local music therapy association the Oregon uh, the organ music therapy association our Creative Arts Therapies Association, which is also local, our Regional Music Therapy Association, and our National Music Therapy Association. And on those various websites you're going to find a lot of information not only about what music therapy is, but some of the some more detailed information about the kinds of programs that are offered, um, a lot of information about your local music therapists, and uh, a lot of information about the research that has been done uh, related to the music therapy practice.
0: That website, again, has four words, and those words are Earth, Tones, Music, and Therapy. So the actual address is earth E-A-R-T-H, joined together with the word tones, T-O-N-E-S, Joined together with the word music, M U S I C, joined together with the word therapy, T H E R A P Y dot com. You made reference to research. Tell us about the research on music and the brain, something with anybody who currently is experiencing the symptoms of Parkinson's would be interested in.
1: Oh, definitely. Well, I can definitely refer you to uh, Michael Taut. that's T-H-A-U-T. He is a music therapist and a neurologist. He's at Colorado State University, and he and his uh, and the individuals that work with him have developed a program called Neurological Music Therapy based on this research. There's... um, and I haven't particularly gone through that training yet, but I have' scheduled to go in october and I'm very excited about it. There's more and more music therapists that are with the research that's come out that are recognizing the uh, the incredible information that's coming out on music and the brain and how music impacts the brain and how music how the brain is actually very very musical so just to give you uh, some basic ideas about the power of music in the brain is that what we've learned through research is that by simply listening to music, that, you, that music activates our attention, it activates our memory, it activates our, our expectations and our understanding of, of how things work, and it activates our emotional center. And that's just by simply listening that we have um that our mood and our attention our blood pressure, and our our emotional being is is activated and then on top of that, what they're recognizing is that when we actually engage in music making that almost the entire brain lights up because all of, if you can just picture someone who is Um, let's say playing playing a violin, and they've got their music in front of them. So if you just kind of walk through, what are the centers of the brain that are activated by simply playing a musical instrument? Well, you have the occipital lobe, the visual cortex is, is activated because the individual is looking at the music, looking at their instrument. You have the auditory, the temporal lobe, the auditory center of the brain is activated because they are hearing and listening to the music, the sounds that are being created. You have the associative centers of the brain where you, when a person is engaged in, in music making, there's there's things that they are thinking about that that music makes them um, uh, uh, recall or it makes them think that this is what it sounds like. You have the motor centers of the brain, the, the gross motor of actually moving the arms, the fine sensory motor of the brain, part of the brain is activated with the fine, um, the, the, the use of the fingers, and it just goes on and on. You get the cognitive center of the brain, the frontal lobe, because the musician is 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 looking at and interpreting and translating the information and then playing the music and then analyzing, is this the music, that? Is this the sound I was trying to get, and then making those adjustments. And so you can just, if you had a, um, if you could just imagine what's called MRI, where they they have a, a scan of the brain while the musician's playing, it's like almost all the centers are just lighting up. And the the reason they're able to measure the, the activation of the brain is because what happens is there's an increased blood flow to the brain, and that's what the MRI is actually picking up. Isn't that fascinating?
0: <laughs> it really is. It sounds I like so no part of the your brain mind, is overlooked.
1: Yeah. yeah. It's just it's so it's it's so lovely. It's it's like. Um, We have known intuitively, we've known through our observation about the power of music and how it affects us, and now we have beginning to have ways of actually measuring that that actually is occurring and how it's occurring and why it's occurring. Some other interesting information about the music in the brain, and again, I'm going to say I'm not a neurologist. So, if someone wants specific information on this, I really recommend that they go directly to the research that's available to them with the specialists that that have studied this intensively. Um, but what I was I was going to say is that with uh, the the music in the brain, it's uh, it's we're just now. Tapping into to being able to measure what's been what we've known to be true for so long, and what we've seen when when patients say, "Oh, I I have a you know, I have less pain now," or "Oh, I can think more clearly now," or "Oh, I can move better now," or "Oh, I can speak better now." We are understanding more about why that is, not just "Oh, yeah, that helped them," but this is why this is is helping them and what they're discovering with um with the research is that there's um uh, that actively engaging in music is actually impacting the neurons of the brain and there is such a thing called neurogenesis where new neuronal pathways are created in the brain when you're engaging in such a rich activity that requires that kind of of uh, thinking and they're learning that there's there's aspects of, of engaging in these kinds of activities also that also help with the myelination of the nerve, which means that's the protective sheath along the axon of the nerve so that when the synapses, when the um the information is transferred through the the neuron, that it can go uh most effectively if the if the cell is if it has that uh protective um Oh, sheath around it. Like I think of like a electrical wire that has that protective sheath so the, the electricity can actually flow through it. You can think of a neuron that way. And so they're realizing that or they're discovering through research that there's those kinds of biological processes that are happening that are impacted through active music making. What is tremble clef? <laughs> Isn't that a great name? It Trimble is Trimble Clefts. Yeah. This is a, this Trimble Clefts is a choir that has been developed for people with Parkinson's. And it's the the choir that we have started here in Portland is actually modeled after a choir, uh or a series of choirs that were started by a woman down in California. And people who want to learn more about Trimble Clef's choir in general can literally Google Trimble Clef's choir. T R E M B L E C H O I R Trimble Clef's Choir and um and they will find all kinds of a wonderful website about this. But basically and I'm sorry, and the person who found it is Karen Hesley karen hesley and karen uh, decided that she's i believe she's an occupational therapist and forgive me karen if that's not accurate and but what she started doing is collaborating with speech therapists and music therapists and the like to create choirs for people with parkinson's and i would guess that it was her original choir that developed that name based on the idea that people with parkinson's have they tremble. They have the um, with the, with the, the motor centers impacted with Parkinson's, and so what happened up here is that a gentleman uh, by the name of Wiley called me about a year ago, almost two years ago now, and said, "Jody, we need to start a choir for people with Parkinson's, and I want it to be like the choir down in California." So it was really him that got us going here, and I said, "Well, yeah, let's make that happen." and it took us a few months but what we did is we collaborated with the Parkinson's Resource Organization and collaborated with Melrose University and we created this choir and it's it involves uh the Parkinson's Resource Organization serves as the administrative office and they put out the word about the choir and they uh do the registration and provide you know, information about it out in their newsletter. That's that one arm. And then we have Merrillhurst University who has the uh, Merrillhurst University has a music therapy program. And so I always connect up with them and say, Hey, would you like to collaborate with this project? So what they're doing is they're donating uh their space of St Anne's Chapel for our choir practice, which is incredibly gracious and generous of them. And so, and and they provide that, and then we have uh, Wiley and his wife Dee, who are this amazing team. Wiley is the gentleman with Parkinson's, and Dee is his care partner, and they are like the, the the powerhouse behind this choir. They're the ones who have really reached out to the community of people with Parkinson's and said, you know, we've heard that that singing can really help your speech. It can really help this. Why don't you come join us? And 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 sing in our choir and see how it helps you, and then Earth Tones, The way we're involved is we are the ones who are providing the choir director, who is the individual who is actually kind of overseeing the choir the rehearsals and the like, and um, and then we have we provide three music therapy interns. So Earth Tones, um my agency has a clinical training program, which is the six-month internship that is required of people who are becoming music therapists. So these are are students who have finished their four-year degree academic studies, and now they're doing six months of of learning about more in-depth clinical application of music therapy. So Trimbleclefs is just one of their clients that they work with. But they're a significant part of the choir because they literally, between the choir director and the three interns, they're the ones that are facilitating the choir rehearsal. And so they're the ones who design and and bring in the vocal exercises. They work in collaboration with the choir in selecting the music repertoire that they're going to sing and um and and take the choir through the the practicing of the of the pieces. So, as you can see, there's a lot of partners involved in this one choir. And that is one of the most fabulous aspects of the choir. That it's really grounded in community, and when you ask me about one of the missions of Earth Zones, that is one of them is the ability to to work in collaboration with other organizations to make and people to make something like this possible for it to be this wonderful, it requires that many people.
0: It's clear everybody is getting together to sing and have a good time. What is specifically the purpose and what are the goals of Trimble Clef's Choir?
1: Well, the primary goal—it was really actually. Let me back up. It was um, when we first decided to start this choir. That's the question we asked: Is like what? Why are we doing this, and what what are the goals of this? So we got everyone together, and that included. Wiley and D, as representatives of people with Parkinson's and the care partner. We got the music therapists together. Chris Korb, who's the director of the music therapy program. Merrill Hurst was there. Uh, John Paul, who's the director of the music program, came. And Anna sanger came from the Parkinson's Resource Organization. And we all brought our heads together to, you know, to brainstorm. What are all the possible things that could be addressed to this choir and it was really it covered the full gamut you know we identified well you know first of all it's going to be really beneficial socially to bring people together because people with any kind of disease can they're vulnerable to isolation around that disease they're vulnerable to uh to not having people to connect with to not having access to to information not having access to support So that's one of the main goals of the Parkinson's Resource Organization is to bring people together and they promote and and have support groups and the like. So we realized that this choir could serve as a type of support group, as a a social, um, as a means for people to come together with a focus that addresses their particular needs. So that was really wonderful. Another goal that came up that was just kind of in the broad sweep was the idea that it would be a great support for the care partners of people with Parkinson's. And, again, we talked about, well, you know, what are the needs of care partners? And there's a need, and this is where Dee was so helpful because she was able to speak from her heart about, well, people uh, care partners, they're wanting to be able to support their husband or wife or sister or brother uh in whatever way they possibly can in some positive way. So this it provides a way to provide support. To... Another thing that they would need is the, the care partner may themselves want to have um a positive way to be able to be in relationship with their partner around this disease. You know, a lot of it is like, you know, doctor visits and treatment this and treatment that. And and so this choir provided a, an arena where they could be working positively towards addressing the needs of it in an environment that was fun and creative and exciting and engaging. And then another area for the care partners is that it provides um, a, pl- a place of, of respite. So care partners could bring their loved ones to the choir, and then they themselves could go, you know, shop or you know, take time out to have some coffee or whatever they needed to do, or they could simply sit back and and listen and enjoy the the rehearsal. I think. Um, One of the pieces that's really special about this choir is the choir isn't just for people with Parkinson's, but it's also for the care partners. So the care partner can engage and be singing in soprano, and the person with Parkinson's is singing bass in the bass section or vice versa. So again, it gives them a way to um, engage in something fun with them. So we've got the social piece. We've got the support for the care partners. And then... um, you get into, so what about the persons with Parkinson's? The main uh, focus for um, the people with Parkinson's that this choir wanted to to, wanted to focus on was uh, specifically voice improvement. Uh, and I know your show is about Parkinson's, and probably your listeners know a great deal about what uh, the goals are for people with Parkinson's in general, but... Uh, one of them is about voice improvement and increasing the vocal quality, the strength, uh, the clarity, and volume and projection. Because I, uh, because a couple things happen around the voice. One is just the, the the motor aspect. You know, the actual physiological abilities to speak clearly are compromised through the Parkinson's. But there's also, which is fascinating, is the person's perception. Of how loudly they're speaking or how much they're projecting, and so you have to address both. And in choir, that people, in choirs naturally address that anyway because you're working on vocal project production. So that does mean that you're working on, you know, using good uh, deep breaths, good breath support, learning how to sustain your your breath control so you can sustain that that uh tone. And it's also about um you know, hitting the right pitch and being able to have the support that's needed there. Another um good piece about singing in a choir, one another of the goals is to actually exercise the mouth and face uh muscles. You'll see people with Parkinson's tend to have a flat affect, uh meaning their their expression can be flat and uh, it, you don't see the smiles and and the like. It's it's more of a relaxed look on their face. So w- through the choir, uh, through the vocal exercises, they're actually practicing and exercising the mouth and the facial muscles to keep those strong and healthy. Um, another one is is about endurance. Like with any kind of you know your whole physio, your whole body needs to have regular exercise to have endurance. And and strength. So choir uh, vocal exercises help people to have endurance, to have that strength, to be able to to speak, um, to to speak with the clarity, and to be able to follow through in a sentence, to complete that sentence to the end, so it doesn't just die off. There's about uh, increasing clarity of enunciation, like Maisie doots and Doit little lambsy, divey, you know to be able to enunciate those vowels and those consonants clearly, and just to encourage overall expressiveness. So that's the vocal piece, and then you have the goal of uh, physical uh, movement. And so, within the choir, we build in choir practice. We build in stretching exercises and posture activities and movement to to uh, rhythm. And this is to help improve and maintain range of physical motion. Because again, with Parkinson's, you have the freezing, you have the the decreased motor movements overall. And so, people with Parkinson's need to be reminded to move to keep that that flow to keep that range of reach that they would normally have to to practice uh being in dynamic balance to practice um moving uh in with their gait um while I'm talking about that it's really um one of the incredible principles of music therapy is the principle of entrainment where when you hear a beat done 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 your your brain uh responds to that beat and you tend to move in sync with that beat and so they're finding that like people with with the freezing uh behaviors is that if you do that rhythmic pulse, that will help them uh be able to move forward from that freezing position and then if if you meter out that that pulse. It, they will actually extend their gait. Their um, their footstep will reach out to match that rhythm. So you can help people to actually step further outside of those smaller steps. So there's a whole um, there's a whole technique for helping people with gait using rhythm, and that's where I would refer people back to the neurological music therapy and the the studies and research and program of Michael Taut at Colorado State. And let's see, what else? Oh, you know the, the, the another big piece of the, the choir and the goals is is about the emotional well being. There's so much research out there about how when we're feeling peaceful, calm, confident, relaxed, when we feel that, then we're actually able to think more clearly. We're actually able to problem solve more clearly. We're actually able to be more healthy in general physiologically when we have we're, have a positive mood. And music has an amazing ability to impact our mood. I've talked a lot.
0: What does a typical re- uh, rehearsal look like?
1: Oh, yeah. So our rehearsals run for about uh, 90 minutes. And the way we start is people, uh, The actually the interns and the choir director arrive like, you know, 45 to 30 minutes early to set everything up. Because one thing that we have learned is that people with Parkinson's need access, you know, easy access to where they're going. So there's there's a few small steps to the stage, but we also have an elevator lift for people who need that um they need to be able to sit in chairs some people need chairs with arms so that they can sit you know stand up and sit down comfortably uh we've learned that everyone needs their own music stand a nice firm music stand and music folders that are easy to open and manipulate so we have all that set up ahead of time and then and then also Wiley has been recording the uh, the choir practices so that people can access those recordings online uh, if they want to be able to listen to them and sing along with them and practice them during the week. So you just have that structure set up ahead of time. And then people arrive, and the choir director, Megan Elliott, she welcomes everyone and gives announcements about what's going on, and they sing an opening song. And then they they move into doing kind of a back and forth of vocal exercises, um, and then they'll work on a specific song for a period of time that addresses maybe specifically projection or uh, specifically volume or specifically enunciation. And then, they'll, then another intern will come up and she'll introduce another vocal exercise and then they'll work on a specific piece. And then we'll have a break, a 15 minute break for people to socialize and to do whatever they need to do to stretch and the like. And then we'll come back and have more rehearsal. And then uh, people may stay around a bit to socialize and connect after the choir practice, and then we're, they're all good to go. We generally run the program for nine weeks. The first very first week, the choir director and the interns and and Whitey and everyone get together to kind of like check in and see how things are going, getting ready for the term. And then for nine consecutive uh, weeks, the choir meets. And then the last choir rehearsal is called an open rehearsal. And this is where people come, and the choir practices as normal. However, the community is invited in, to hear the choir and see what they've accomplished and how lovely they sound, and that's followed by a social. So we have tea and cookies and um, special treats for people uh, to celebrate their incredible accomplishments.
0: Is there a selection criteria for the songs that are actually sung, and is there a preference that people have for some songs over others?
1: Yes, this has been um, a really an ongoing and very important discussion with the choir. And Wiley and D came in originally and said, you know, these are the we really want songs that will uh that are upbeat. We want songs that uh are 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 really perky, that have a variety of dynamic ranges to them. Uh, variety, uh, variations in volume, variations in pitch. We want it to have a strong beat and moderate to fast tempo, meaning moderate to fast, moderate. Um, I guess I would just say how quickly the music goes in terms of tempo. And th- this is based on the idea, of, you know, when I was talking back about the vocal uh, techniques that we're looking at in terms of increasing quality, strength, and clarity. That if you have music that challenges you vocally, so if you have to go from a soft to a loud, to go from low to high, then you are actually practicing and exercising those abilities to do that. Another thing uh, that was really important is the choir members talked about uh, the content of the of the music, and that they really want wanted music that was meaningful in terms of the what the the songs were about, they didn't want things that were uh just simply fun to sing, but they wanted they they wanted things that were uh had a that really touched their hearts and spoke to what they could do and they didn't want any sad songs they didn't want any um songs that were really weighted politically or religiously they really wanted to gear it towards your general choir member. Um, they stalked, talked specifically about not wanting any mention of alcohol or illegal drug use or drinking or smoking songs. They didn't want any violence, and they wanted it to be uh, music that was mature for the mature audience, not not babyish or young children's songs. So this was such it was so important that Wiley d created a, what is called the liaison group. And this is a group of the choir members, and they get together, and they go through this process of a song selection. And they have come up with some wonderful songs for the choir. And some of them, and and I think your listeners will know uh, a lot of these, some of them are like, we shall overcome. And a more recent piece they added is, yes, we can, can. And beat out that rhythm on a drum and sing, sing a song. A Place in the Sun, Lean on Me, The Hammer Song, If I Had a Hammer, uh, The Happy Wander, Walk a Mile, With a Little Help from My Friends, I Love to Laugh, just so many great, wonderful pieces. Another thing that they talked about is they um, also wanted a variety of genre in terms that they wanted classical and popular and show tunes and the like. Uh, jazz, country, and western, and um, and a little multicultural, multinational. They they did want, and this was the part. You know, I was talking about the the um, about creating neur- neuronal connections. They wanted music that they wanted some that songs that were familiar, so you could relax and enjoy them. But they also wanted new songs because what learning new songs actually stimulates. The brain plasticity and the neuroprotection and that was what i was telling you about in terms of the myelination and the ability, the neurogenesis the, the development of new neurons because it's those challenges that help stimulate the brain and then they um let's see they wanted arrangements another piece that came up was uh the arrangements of the songs And they wanted them arranged in such a way that were challenging but still doable, where uh, people could not necessarily have to be able to read music, but could learn them by rote. And so an example of of something that would work well would be like to learn a melody and, and sing a song in a round. And that could be really done successfully without practice.
0: What are the elements of music that make it such a wonderful medium for people?
1: Yeah. There's there's so many elements. One, you know, the first one is the just the basic rhythm. The um the basic beat. You know, if you think about our physiology and our biology, we are ap- we are just rhythm. We have the rhythm of our heart, we have the rhythm of our breathing, we have the rhythm of our walk. We have the rhythm of our day, you know, how we go about our day. And so music has that element of of rhythm that helps us to ground. It helps us to entrain. It's the rhythm that, you know, in your marching bands, in your choirs, in your, uh, when when your family gets together and sings, it's the rhythm that really is the element that holds everything together. Um, So it's just absolutely vital for us. Another piece is um that's this lovely is is the melody of the music that's the da 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 and so that's the when you have one or more notes excuse me, two or more notes that are in consecutive order that go up and down and the melody is is when i speak about the melody going up or going down that's part of our physiology as well and one of my exercises I like to do with people is have them go, ah, and feel, when they do that, you feel the lift of your body. You just naturally lift to the melody as it goes up. And if it goes, ah, your body naturally follows that and settles down. So do you feel that, Robert? Like I did, yeah. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> just a little bit. So a fun thing to do that is to invite people to go, ah, to go up in their voice and then actually try to sink their body down at the same time and then go, ah, and actually try to raise your body up while your voice goes down. And it just is such a bizarre feeling. And I, you know, again, I wish on the radio show it's really tricky. But if if people were to try that, you would see how much more natural it is for the body to lift as the pitch goes up, and the body to let down as the pitch comes down. And that's because we just simply are music. You know, we're shaped and formed uh, by that. Uh, let's see, another element of of music is is the harmony, and that's when you have one or more pitches playing together. And um, so it's hard to describe this, again, just on, on the phone, but um, when when you have two pitches playing, you'll find that it actually affects, I guess, you know, you could say it affects the emotional center, like there's the, the minor third versus the major third. And in many, many cultures where you have a major third, uh, it feels like a happy song. And if it's a minor third... Like a major third da 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 da. It's major. It's like, oh yeah, that's happy. If it's minor, da 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 we tend to it has a different emotional quality to it. Did you do you feel that, the difference between those? yeah so so there's a lot you know there's with with harmony there's so much that you can do with that with tonal clusters and the like that impact us emotionally so those are just a few of them something that's really um interesting too for again for the for your listeners is when people say well what you know what determines you know how i respond to music you know how i whether i like it or not or you know why do some people like this and some people like that and so there's, a, you know, all the qualities of music that I described, just even the rhythm, the melody, and the harmony. You also have the timbre, which is how something sounds. Like a piano has a different timbre than, say, a cymbal or a violin. If, you know, if you had your eyes closed and I were to play each of those three, you would be able to tell me that those are different instruments because of the way they sound. That's the timbre. Um, and then you also have your... You know your genre, you know whether it's kind of a country style or it's a blues or the like, so there's different elements of music that are that are happening, and then you have your listener they're the other half of this about whether it's quote good music or bad music, your listener's perspective of the music, what is their health, you know, what do they have for breakfast um what is what are what's their exposure to music in the past, what's their education of music? um with that particular music, piece of music when's the first time they might have heard that or is it something they're not familiar with all these things play a role in whether how they hear the music so you have the quality of the music itself even the even to the point of what kind of sound system are you hearing the music through you have that and then you have the person who's actually hearing the music perceiving and interpreting the music those are just some of the variables that will determine how a person responds to that music. Um, and, it, and research has shown that a lot of people really, really relate most of the music, most to the music of that they heard in their teens and in their early 20s. And so when we go and work with people, with seniors, they'll go like, well, yeah, you want to play music of their day. That is so true. That is so true. You don't want to limit it to that, of course, because there are people that maybe have um, have have been exposed to the classics or even to more modern music, and they they have um, they do enjoy that. But you can probably bet that if you play a, you know song selections from the early teens to twenties, you're going to find some that they really really like, and so. You can imagine when you're 98 years old, Robert, what music are you going to want to have played?
0: I would think as you just say, music that I listened to when I was young.
1: Yeah. Yeah, isn't that amazing how that works? And so there yeah, so there's a lot of variables that impact um how people perceive music and what what they enjoy and and there's just, uh, again, so much more about the elements of music that do impact us in that way.
0: Parkinson's Recovery sponsored a summit in Vancouver, Washington, which is basically a suburb of Portland back in March. At the summit, Judith Lynn led the audience in an exercise where she took the volume low and then raised it up to a high volume and actually moved her body from sort of a slumping position up to a stand-up position and then back down. Anybody who wants to see an actual demonstration of the power of that exercise that Jody has just explained, go to the Parkinson's Recovery blog. I posted it about six uh, weeks ago or so, and you'll see a video clip of her doing this exercise I obviously participated in that myself, and I just want to say it's amazing how just that brief one-minute, one-and-a-half-minute exercise has a powerful impact on how you feel and on your energy level. It's quite amazing, really.
1: Is it? It's just, it's that's wonderful. I'm going to check that out. That's, that's fabulous. It was and amazing. I have, a funny, I have a funny story related to that about how unconscious that is about how, you know, also you don't even have to be thinking about it for music to impact you in that way. It's like, um I was I was painting a wall one day. I was in I was upstairs in, in my bedroom and I was painting this wall and I was thinking, oh, this is so hard and this is taking me so long and it's like this paintbrush is so heavy and I don't like this color and there's nothing's right about this And I realized that I had the radio on, and there was this, like, (laughs) music going on. And I'm going, like, oh, my gosh, that is amazing. So I got out my CD player, of course, and, you know, picked up, got some music that was, like, upbeat, perky, and energized. And it totally transformed that experience. But it was—it just struck me as hilarious that, you know, for someone who's trained and quote trained and and understanding the power of music, that would have this dirge playing while I'm trying to paint this wall. But <laughs> <laughs> it's just And wild. it took you
0: a while to solve that too. That's what's interesting. It did
1: because I was focused so much on how hard the job was. I wasn't <laughs> even tuned in, and so if you you know use music with intention. And say, you know, I'm gonna. This is what I want to do, and this is how I want to do it. And you know that this particular type of music affects you a certain way. You know that you know you like this. this you, know, you kind of tend to feel happy when you play this, or you feel energized when you play this. That you can be very proactive in your use of music, and it can just really make your day. And you know, there are people who do that. I mean, they have their you know CDs in the car and that kind of thing to help them with their you know driving rage or whatever they deal with but but it's you know they can also work the other way where we are being impacted by music like you know you think about music in the store. That they are manipulating us with the music. That they are they're not just playing this at random. They've done research to to see oh let's see, how long do people play, stay in the store if we play this kind of music. Right? I mean
0: they're not playing it for our pleasure, huh?
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm um, sure they want we'll us to be happy. <laughs> <laughs> they want us to be happy, and then we'll like stick around and buy some more. <laughs> so they want us to be happy. It is for our pleasure. <laughs> is it a social service? Mm, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's really it's really great. So people can be really intentional with that.
0: How does a listener start a Tremble Clefts Choir in their area?
1: Oh, yeah. You know, what I would suggest that people do is to definitely contact their um, Parkinson's Resource organization, their local organization, and let them know that there's such a thing that exists. Um, And they can also feel free to contact me directly by email or by phone. Uh, They can email me, uh, Jody J-O-D-I, at earthtonesmusictherapy.com. And they can call me. My number is 503-284-6794. And I can give them tips and be their cheerleader. Uh, We actually have a music therapist, uh, Ann Vitor, in Vancouver, Washington, who was a recent graduate of Melhurst and was a music therapy intern with our agency and has started her own company called Upbeat Music Therapy Services. And she's looking at developing a Trimble Cliffs over there. So we're really supporting and rooting for her. Uh, Another thing that they can do is go to TrimbleClefts.com, and uh, Karen has done a beautiful job of outlining the essentials for starting a choir, which include, obviously, you need singers, you know, people. Uh, You need a musical director and manager. You need a pianist and accompanist, Uh, a location and practice site. Obviously, you need a piano, and, uh, you know, set up a weekly schedule for your rehearsals, uh, another issue is uh is funding. You're gonna need to figure out how do we actually purchase the music, you know, if it's copyrighted, how do we purchase music? How do we find either volunteers to do this program for us or how do we get the funding to support and pay for people to be the, the choir director and the like. Um and that's where hopefully your Parkinson's resource organization will come in handy. There's some triple clefts that have really started their own fundraising processes, so they'll have their own, you know, events and promote themselves so that people will donate to their cause. The expenses are going to be um again paying for the music and we've been very blessed because we have a secret donor, anonymous donor, who has donated uh five hundred dollars to our cause to get us even started with our music and has said that they are willing to donate more for for more music for us. And the Parkinson's Resource Organization has been very generous with their time and funds to, to get things going as well. So I encourage you, I encourage people to do this because it's quite wonderful. And, again, if you go to Karen's, uh, the Trimble Cliffs site, too, if you go to her site, she will have listed other Trimble Claps. That are in the country, like in Arizona and California, I think maybe Utah, but don't quote me on that. Um, and so other people that are conducting choirs. So, in summary, you can definitely contact me. You can go to the Trimble site and go to your Parkinson's resource organization.
0: That Trimble website then would be t r e m b l e Clefs dot com. Over the last year and a half or so that you've been involved in this, what have you learned?
1: Hmm. Yeah, I've learned a lot. You know, I've um, it's. I have learned like from Wiley. I've learned about the power of of one person's vision and tenacity because he I just have to give him so much credit. He has such uh will and such passion and such love for this. And he is he's a detail person and he's just really um just caught all those little niggles that you need to address. So I'm just impa- I'm just so impressed that what one person can do. I'm also um really have learned about what happens when people are able to come together in collaboration and in community, um, and what it takes to bring those people together? That you know there, you have so many willing bodies and spirits and the like, and you you just need to have some kind of structure and um, organization, like a strategic plan that people understand and can all focus on together. And if you have something like that basically laid out. There are so many people out there willing and wanting to contribute and to participate in something like this. And I think um, I also just, the, the the power of music just continues to astound me. You know, the, the combination of, of seeing how people light up and seeing how they feel so happy and connected with themselves, with other people, with their higher sense of purpose. Um, and when I see this, it really comes right back around to me, and it reminds me of the importance of music in my life, and it's really um, encouraged me to stay, you know, involved in, like I I play in an all-women's marimba band, and how important it is for me to be engaged in active music making with these women and and playing these big old marimbas and playing Shona music. Um, It also it reminded me of the importance of like community drum circles. And so, like Earthstones, this last month, we started having a, a monthly, uh, what we're calling Earth song and Earth beat circles. So the Earth song circle is an hour of people coming together and singing chants and songs together. And then the second hour is people coming together and playing drums together to um, uh, with a facilitator and so I'm doing that to reach out to the community, but also because I love it, and it just really feeds me. So, you know, it's just to be involved in this reminds me of how important is music is in my life, and it, it makes me want to help encourage other people to have music in their lives.
0: What has surprised you about this experience?
1: Well, with the Tremble Club specifically, I was really shocked by the number of people that immediately wanted to be in the choir. I was, and it, it was true for the Parkinson's Research Organization, too. They were thinking, we were hoping that we'd have at least eight people. We were hoping we'd have that. We were expecting like five to six. And we had this conversation about how we would start the choir with, you know, if we had five people, we would start the choir because we knew that it would grow. But it turned out that we had like 18 people enrolled the first time around. And we were like, oh, my goodness. And then what I found is that once people got in the choir, they really stayed with the choir. And so we've had, let's see, we had fall, winter, spring. We've had three terms, and our choir has grown to 24 to 28 members at any given time. So people that started are sticking around, and then there, more people are joining. And that, that has surprised me. I thought it would take a lot longer Another thing that uh, really surprised me was and is the, the level of investment and commitment of the choir members themselves. That they're not just coming to the choir and saying, "Okay, we want to sing and practice our vocal techniques." They're really invested in this choir, and they are really wanting, you know, to be involved in the music and the and music selection. They're really wanting to be involved in in how the the sessions are set up and really getting the word out about the choir. And I I just think that is fantastic. Um, I'm also, I was really surprised by the distance that people are willing to commute to the choir. We have people that are driving, you know, some are driving like 45 minutes to come to choir rehearsal uh, each week. And that just really speaks to uh, what it's bringing them, you know, like, I'm not willing to drive 45 minutes somewhere unless it's, it's something that I really love and feel like it's benefiting me. So I have to guess that that must be true for them as well. And they're just really consistent with the attendance. We take attendance every week, and uh, it's just really stayed steady. It's, um, yeah, and I, I think just the willingness of all the organizations to come together to support this, it's been fantastic.
0: What has touched you about this experience?
1: Hmm. Yeah, I think I've been really, really touched by just the the passion and and uh the love that's involved in this process for people. Um, whenever I you know, I, I hear the choir sing, I'm I, I can't believe I, how how beautiful it is and um, wow it's yeah it's just it's just incredible it's you know we've talked about the, the various elements of music and, and the you know the the research and we've talked about how the goals and objectives and, and the like Well, you know probably when it comes to the power of what's been what's touching me is probably the spirit that's behind it that's the that music, engaging in music like that, really helps us to connect with our with our, our higher selves. It really helps us to connect with the big picture, what some people might refer to as God, some people, you know, Buddha nature, some people, you know, various ways of, of defining what that means for them. But music really does, you know, touch on the highest, highest part of who we are. And I think that is what, what touches me the most.
0: Area code three six zero. You are on the air.
2: Yes, this is Dave. i uh, listening to this. I get. I'm interested in. I'm finding that there's a lot of people, or not a lot, but there are people who do therapy with musical vibrations and develop tonal vibrational cyclical pieces that seem to be in harmony with the respect to, you know, the human body. And I'm not sure if I'm making sense, but,
1: mm-hmm. but Yeah, you are you're you are making sense and I and I apologize. I can't speak to that. I can I can I can affirm that there are people that are out there working with sound and vibration. That there are uh people that you know, at the beginning of the show we talked about how you have music therapists, music dentologists, music practitioners. There's various labels people have in terms of of, of what their credentials are, what their training is what their modalities are that they use, what populations they work with, and so there's a whole uh, world out there of sound what of a of a group uh, that refer to themselves as sound healers or vibrational healers, and they you know they may have studied with another individual in that area or they may have some kind of certification program or they may have you know connected with that themselves, and I honestly can't speak with any uh, knowledge around that, but I, I do know that it's out there.
2: Yeah. Well, I experienced a little bit of it myself, and it's quite a. It's a meditation that is a relief, you know, a relief to the mind and body when you. Mm-hmm. And not everybody uh, has the same effect that I talked with. the The other thing that I was interested in is. how to to place, you know, uh, like a new dimension on thinking about your approach to music. It's like walking in the other person's moccasins. It's that, that approach, and how do you get that? Can you speak to that situation with music? How do you walk, I don't know, in the other person's, the other music, in the music's notes?
1: I'm sorry. Could you could you repeat your question again? I'm, I want to make sure I understand it.
2: Well, it it has to do with how we're approaching because it's music to me is a very practical approach to dealing with Parkinson's in, in a healing way.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And what I was thinking that, that it could be beneficial to approach it from an angle of Listening from the music standpoint, not from the person who's listening to the music.
1: Robert, and perhaps
0: you sure can
2: help else. me understand the question. Maybe well, because sure m- it has to do with walking in the other person's shoes.
0: So, so you you, you 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 become the music.
2: You become the music, and you you look at it from the music standpoint. and and instead of approaching it from the standpoint of the person listening to the music, Mm -hmm. it's listening from the other side.
1: Would it be like uh, interpretive dance or interpretive singing where um, I'm I'm even thinking like uh, in music and imagery, some of the work we do there, where rather than you being... As you're listening to the music, you're listening for the messages or the emotions or the, um, I guess I would just say messages and, and emotions that are within the music itself. And yeah,
2: it's more like an approach like that. It's more the approach from the music standpoint of view. I don't know how to place that, but it's like putting your mind in a different dimension with the music. It's uh-huh, more yeah more in tune with the healing aspects of the music. I
1: think, yeah, to see if I'm hearing you right, that there's questions about, you know, the inherent healing properties within music itself and or the, the intentions of the composer or the intentions of the musician themselves as they're playing the music and that the person who's listening to the music Receives that that energy through the music. Is that what you're perhaps referring to? You're well, it res-
2: isn't receiving so much as a as being a part of the of the reception.
1: <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. It's, it's difficult for me to answer that across the radio. I'm sorry. It'd be um, sounds. It sounds like one of those big topics that you get into... Well, well and... maybe
2: it is, but I was looking at it from a practical standpoint.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm not going to be able to answer that very effectively, but it's it's um, it's fascinating to hear you approach it from that place, because you're not alone, that there's many, many people who explore, um, not just, let's manipulate this music so it affects me the way I want it to affect me, but what if i were to just go with the music that's already there and to be in relationship with the music and what it has to bring that that music brings um is going to and are you actually in this process are you actually in, engaging in the music making yourself or you want you're talking about you're actually listening no. to the music that's being played? I'm
2: very crude i'm very crude person when it comes to music but i'm interested in the the aspects of the vibrational healing part uh-huh. of it. But yeah, what I yeah. did, what sort of set me in motion with healing, and you know, I've, for some time, I've been following as much as possible the, the sparse information that keeps coming out about vibrations and music and how people are attaching healing to music.
1: Right.
2: And I listened to a, a man the other day who was in, Was a plant biologist, and he was talking about how you could put yourself in the shoe, in the roots of a plant, and Mm. look at it from that standpoint. Mm. And I got to thinking that the rest of the world is sort of out there with that conceptual imagery, with that concept in my mind. It's like you can look at the other parts of the world, mm-hmm. from walking in another person's shoes or mm-hmm. another another aspect of the dimension that really isn't explored very much
1: right that's that's absolutely true, and again, I can't really speak to that but i I love that perspective. I think that's quite beautiful it's uh in just a practical application just in working with people that's what we do yes, I mean it's like as you're as you're speaking to me. I'm really striving to, you know, do my best to place myself where you are, to imagine where that question is coming from and where that wondering is coming from, and what, you know, what this radio show would even mean to you in in your world and what this information might mean to you. So well, I, I just love that idea.
2: That's like a, a broad aspect of it. It's like if we explored this realm of placing ourselves in another position of of whatever it is where our endeavors were, instead of looking at it from our standpoint,
1: mm-hmm.
2: like we could look at the world from another point of view, which could be a ever-changing aspect of, of human beings.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can take it, you know, take what you're saying and, and say, well, you know, actually, is your name Dave? Yeah. Yeah. It actually, and so you could say, well, you know, we're actually one and the same, you and I. You know, we're That's different. Exactly
2: where I'm coming from.
1: Yeah. Exactly. So we're one and the same. And by me putting myself in your shoes or seeing that, uh, try, striving to see the, the same picture from your perspective, is actually just is expanding into to my. It's just expanding myself. It's it's me seeing with with another pair of my eyes or another part of my heart or something like that, and uh, I think that's absolutely beautiful.
0: Well, I do I do too, Dave. I'm going to think about that idea the rest of the day.
1: It's yeah. quite interesting, and, really. And music the, is one of those things that can capture that because it captures so much of the essence. You know, it goes into like it captures so much of who we are, our our humanity, our spirit, and everything. So to To do what you're saying about the music is really again connecting with humanity. Well, I think
2: music is so primordial that it it has its beginnings from this from the standpoint that I'm trying to reflect on. Mm
0: Mhm.
2: And in that way, we've lost the aspects of it, the aspect of the true meaning of music. But I I know that there are people who are close to doing what I'm suggesting could take place. Mm -hmm.
0: Literally merge with the template of the music. Dave, that's a wonderful idea. Thanks so much for calling in and shifting us into a fascinating place.
2: You both wore me out today, thank you very
0: much. <laughs> <laughs> we're all we're all working on creating new neural networks together.
1: That's <laughs> we're <great>. all one. <laughs> I think sure. I have some new, neural, new, neural, new neuronal synapses going on. That's
0: right, I do too. It's so cool.
2: Never thought I would be able to get my concept across, but it sounds like it did come across.
0: Bingo. Oh, yeah, yay. you did it. It was home run. Thanks for calling in, Dave. <laughs> it's wonderful to hear from you.
1: Bye bye. Bye bye, thank you.
0: So Jody, what do you attribute the success of the Trouble Crofts Clef's choir to?
1: I think I, I I think it's um I think it because it's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think because it's just a good thing to have. And I honestly believe in in goodness. I believe that if something is um you know, it's kind of—I can't say meant to be necessarily—but um, if it's something that serves people well, that it really needs to exist. And and I think it was just—it's really time because it seemed, uh, in a way, it was just driven. And it was—you can say it was effortless in a way because there was so much energy that was wanting it to be created, and it was just a matter of getting helping things align. Um, and things say that in one way, and then the other is just all the amazing people that were involved and each person making their contribution to its its creation. Uh, in, in my work with Earth Tones, what I really know to be true that works for me is, first of all, I need to be doing what I feel passionate about and what I love, and it's all about my attitude about things in terms of the success of them. That is just number one, and so if that's true, then that would be true for everyone involved with tones, everyone involved in Trimble clubs. The, the the real key is that you connect with people, kind of like what Dave was saying. You know, get into you know, try to walk in their sho- shoes, see what their passion is, see what what they really need and want and and have to offer, and match all those parts up. And you do that, and you get this incredible tremblecluffs.
0: What resources do you want people to be sure and know about?
1: I want people to know, first of all, that there are incredible resources out there for them. Um, You can, again, you can go to my website, which is earthtonesmusictherapy.com, and there you will see links to our our local music therapy organization, our regional music therapy association, and the national music therapy association. And then you also want to know about Trimble Clefs, which you have mentioned, which is uh, the com. And you want to know that there are the Parkinson's resource organizations out there and that their missions really are to help educate people about Parkinson's disease, about the kind of re, uh, programs that are available for them and to help them uh, gain access to those those programs. Also, for anyone who might be interested in music therapy, you know, for their own, um, you know, I've had people say, after hearing about your program, I want to be a music therapist. How do I do that? Uh, what I would encourage you to do is you could, if you're local in the Northwest, um, you could contact Merrill Hurst University, and they have a music therapy program there. Or if you are somewhere outside of that, you could uh, contact our national association, musictherapy.org, www.musictherapy.org, and they would be able to connect you with a list of of universities around the, the country that provide training in this
0: What's next? Ha!
1: Huh, what's next? Well, you tell you what's next. We're really excited. Is that uh, Trimble class was so successful in working with the Parkinson's resource Organization? Um, I was at a, at a at a meeting with people that um, with the Alzheimer's Association, and they told me that they have a strategic plan on the national level to address the needs of people with early stage Alzheimer's which is one of the trickiest things um, to address. It's a challenging area and and we talked about how beneficial it would be to start a choir for people with early stage Alzheimer's. Based on the model that we set up that we have with Trimble clefts. and the local uh Oregon uh Association Alzheimer's Association, they're ready to go. So we're already jumping into that. Um and then I think what's next is I'm excited about my uh, additional training with neurological music therapy that's happening in Colorado State in October. And I anticipate that we that URTONS will expand in terms of the services that we do offer individuals with uh they're dealing specifically with Parkinson's, uh not just through choirs, but also uh you know, working with individuals, working with in collaboration with other professionals, uh occupational therapists and speech therapists and uh, physical therapists and working with uh, gait training, working in in speech and um, and the like. So there's a, there's a lot out there.
0: Jody Windwalker, this has been incredibly informative for me, and I know all listeners. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for being a guest on this show
1: today. Well, you're very welcome, Robert. It's been absolutely delightful. I cannot believe we've been talking for ninety minutes, but then isn't that then, something? When you're having <laughs> fun,
0: time flies.
1: <laughs> it really does, and it's been just—it was really delightful to meet you over the phone. Thank you so much for for contacting me and inviting me to be on your show. It's been a great, great fun for me, and I do appreciate the opportunity to get the word out about what we're about.
0: The most recent edition of my book is actually on sale by the publisher. I don't get to do this myself, but every month, apparently in May, the publisher puts a 15% discount on all of the books that they actually publish. So uh, those of you who are interested in getting the book, Road to Recovery from Parkinson's Disease, which summarizes everything I've learned from wonderful people like Jody Windwalker and all of the other individuals I've interviewed over the last four years. And uh, summarize that in Road to Recovery from Parkinson's Disease. You can go to the website where it's described, which is www.parkinsonsdisease.me, And what I need to tell you, by the end of the month of May, the coupon code for a 15% discount, I'm looking at that right now by the publisher, is MaySave305. So basically in the coupon code field, you simply enter May, M-A-Y, that's for the month of May, Save, S-A-V-E, and then the number 305. And then they'll immediately uh, reduce the price of the book and that will save for certainly shipping plus uh, a bit, uh, as best I can tell. So that's what's happening uh... on the shores of the Puget Sound. Next week, I'm going to actually be talking about how everyone interested in doing voice profiles can do that for themselves. Sherry Edwards on the show uh, last month uh, volunteered to be able to make these programs available to people through a simple registration process. I've actually registered for the programs. I've acquired the programs, and I'm actually using them myself. So what I'm going to do is to step through step-by-step for everyone exactly what you can do if you'd like to be able to do these analyses yourself. The voice profiles basically allow you to be able to do a diagnostic of what's out of balance in your body, and it gives you invaluable information about some places you might want to consider looking in terms of bringing your body totally and completely back into balance. So that's the show for next week. It's actually me, and I'm going to give you my experience with using the programs and detail out for you step-by-step step exactly how you do it. I'll put an email out to the uh, newsletter list uh, so that those of you who'd like to be able to acquire these programs before the show can do that. So if you have any questions, I'll be able to answer them i haven't actually gone through and done this for myself yet but that's my goal that's my agenda for next week so we look forward to uh joining you live one week from today wednesday 3 p.m pacific time 6 p.m eastern time on the parkinson's recovery radio network And that is, again, what's happening on the shores of the Puget Sound where all the women are smart, all the men are handsome, and all the children are truly loved. Know that by virtue of the fact you are listening to this show that you are indeed on the road to recovery. May you have a fantastic week, and we look forward to connecting with you one week from today. Good day.